Hey, Bears fans! Welcome once again to Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And uh, we are got a whole load of new stuff for you going into tomorrow's preseason game. Yeah, Bears football is sort of back. Woohoo! Uh, the preseason opener is upon us. Um, but before we do that, I mean, before uh, since our last episode, we've got a couple new Bears. Robert Tanyan yeah. tomorrow. Bob Tanyan. I'm excited about. <laughs> I'm excited to watch him. I, I think he's going to be a big part of the offense, but maybe not tomorrow. Anyway, uh, right after we got done recording our last episode, we got news that the Bears had signed Yannick Ngakwe. Woo! It's pronounced Yannick. I never knew that. I, I looked that up, too. Yeah, I always thought it was Yannick, but no, it's it's Yannick. And, I mean... Ngakwe. It's, it's a signing that makes sense. It's a player that I think a lot of people over the course of the offseason had speculated might end up with the Bears. I, I don't know that he necessarily wanted a one-year contract from a non-Super Bowl contender, but <laughs> that was the market, and the Bears ended up signing him. It, it sounded like they had maybe been in negotiations with him for a while, and it just drug on for one reason or another, but he's in camp, and he's a Bear, and I guess we'll start with your thoughts. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, it made sense. Obviously, it's been on the table for a while. I'm sure that their camps have been talking for quite a while. And you know what? It probably just came down to how much money he was going to get this year. Ten and a half million. Um, You know, that's a decent decent deal for him. It's a decent deal for the Bears. They have the money to do it. One year is huge. The fact that it doesn't impact future cap. Right. Situations. I mean, that that's big, but and you know, and he it's he's twenty eight years old, so he's certainly uh, a player that could earn himself another deal. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, he, you know, he's uh, he he has done some things. Uh, of course, everybody knows that the knock on him is uh, in the run game. I don't really know how much that is a factor. I did read that he has been playing over the last couple of years like about 75% of the snaps. That's that's good to me. Yeah. Uh he you know, he'll he's going to be a starter right from the get-go. Yeah. That's good. Um we do know that he can uh rush the passer. We need that because we just really don't have a lot available at edge. Uh, and, and he is a player that, that if he plays well, he, he could make a new deal for himself. So I think there's a lot of plus sides on it. I don't think there's a whole lot of negative. No. And it's kind of a interesting thing because, you know, just the story with him is he's been on what, five teams in his career. Yeah. So when you hear that and you see that the production's there, you, you think maybe there's more to the story, right? I mean, not having followed his career that closely you're like is he a locker room issue is he lazy like why is this guy bounced around so much typically teams don't let good pass rushers out of their building and you know from everything i've heard since the bears sign him i mean he's known as a, a great teammate yeah a really hard worker which i i've heard that too that he's a really good presence in the locker room like I, i've heard people around the nfl just raving over how Five teams. How good of a leader he is and just how professional he is and his intensity and all that. So it's just like, why this guy? Why hasn't this guy been able to stick anywhere? And I'm sure there's a lot of reasons. And he also just has a skill set that's very conducive to bouncing around, right? I mean, heck, he might get traded away this year if the Bears' season doesn't start off the way they want. They could, well, he, they know, could he, easily flip him for a pick at the deadline. So. And, and he, he played, uh, he started 62 games at Jacksonville. Over four seasons, yeah, so, and including the team that went to the AFC Championship, and then he had that that he you know he he had the trade to Minnesota, and then Minnesota traded him, and then he moved to the Raiders. And they traded. He, him. Went, he went to Baltimore, and then he went to the Raiders, and I I, I don't know. It, it's it's certainly weird, but it just you know as far as if we're if we're looking at him right now, what we're looking at him as is. We're renting him for a year. We'll see if uh, we want to buy. Yeah, for sure. And if he goes out and has 14 sacks, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he's re-upping with the Bears. But the phrase that I heard is it kind of makes the defense feel complete now. Going, you know, before that signing, when you looked at just how the roster was shaping out, pass rush was the biggest concern almost by far. I mean, the leading sack 
getter last year amongst edge rushers, I think, had two. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's a, it, it was a pretty thin unit. Yeah. I, I think it's still pretty thin. I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be unhappy if they went out and signed one more player, but I don't. Right. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Ngakwe and Demarcus Walker are your starters, and then the Rasheem Green. Yeah, Rasheem Green, uh, and then you got two, Dominique, Dominique Robinson, Robinson and Travis Gibson. Yeah, and there's some players down at the bottom of the roster that are going to have a shot to make it too. So it's a decent. It's a decent rotation for the Bears at this point. Well, and I like it because I think the back seven of the Bears defense could actually be pretty legit and so just having pass rushers that can make the quarterback uncomfortable and that can get that ball out maybe a second faster I mean when you've got some ball hawks back there and you've got playmakers in the secondary that's just gonna lead to more turnover so I think all around signing that makes perfect sense uh, it sounds like it's going to be a good addition, and like I said, worst case, the season doesn't go their way, and they can flip him at the deadline and get another pick, I guess, but hopefully that doesn't happen. I hope he comes in and has a bunch of sacks and has a good year, and then we're ta- sitting around in a few months talking about that they should be signing him to a second deal. Yeah, I mean, even if he even if he does a repeat, um, his last two seasons, uh, he had 10 sacks with the Raiders, and then... Nine and a half with the Colts. So 19 and a half sacks over the last two seasons. Uh, 24 total hurries over that time period. Uh, and um, uh, 63 pressures. So he's spending some time in the backfield. And he's had eight, at least eight sacks every year of his career, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. It shows availability, too. So I think it's a nice addition, and he's got some connections to the Bears, too. He played for the Bears' defensive line coach in, right. in Vegas, and he played for uh, Rod Marinelli, who we know is a close friend and mentor of Matt Eberflus. So the Bears certainly know what kind of player they're getting, and I, I just think it's a good fit. I, I think it was kind of a no-brainer signing, and like you said, no downside. Yeah, and I, I think, um, uh, you know, he's in the, he, like, he's, you know, he's 28, um, he, we, the one thing about a lot of the other guys that were out there was just that they were all on the wrong side of 30. Yeah. Uh, and um, some of them, you know, ended up getting bigger deals than this. Um, I didn't see what uh, uh, the guy from Kansas City's number uh, deal was. Houston, I think he got $5 million bucks, something okay. like that. So he got Carolina. a little less. But I think he's like 33 he, or yeah. 34. Yeah. Um, so... You know, I I, just, I, th- I think it's overall it's it's a good fit and uh, uh, you know somebody that they needed and we can and we can see how it goes. It didn't cost them a lot, an arm and a leg to to do, to do this deal. So no. Um, uh, I, well, we were uh, we're uh, we're also oh we'll bring up Mercedes Lewis too. We did bring in Mercedes Lewis. Everybody I'm sure saw that. I'd like that signing too. Um, you know, obviously they didn't bring him in for the passing game. They brought him in uh, for for blocking. Um, the way I understand it, yes, he's a great, uh, you know, great um, locker room presence. Uh, he is. He does have very good pass and run blocking metrics. Yeah. Um, having him behind, uh, you know, Komet and uh, and Tanya, it, it doesn't seem like a bad idea to me. No, and I think it, it raised some eyebrows because honestly, if you had asked me when Mercedes Lewis retired, I probably would have said like <laughs> I, I would have said like I don't know, like 2015 or something like that. I mean, 17 years in the NFL is, and you know what I heard about him actually before we go into this anymore. In his 17 years in the NFL, apparently he's never once had surgery. Wow, isn't that just that's amazing? Like, yeah, I, I, that's kind of hard to wrap your head around. Yeah, even. I mean the. 17 years in the NFL is hard to wrap your head around, but the fact that you've never required surgery is just kind of a modern miracle. But anyway, like you said, uh, the the metrics on him last year are actually pretty good. I, I've seen some conflicting things, but the everything I've seen, you know, on, on the different blocking, uh, uh, you know, the blocking ratings, right? Like everything I've seen has him in the top half of the league, like 15 or higher in both run blocking and pass blocking. So. Yeah have a third tight end with those metrics and that's what you're asking your third tight end to do and just the things that people say about his presence in the locker room are kind of remarkable I heard Stacy Dale say that he's the best leader or one of the best leaders she's ever covered in the NFL 
And I've heard that Robert Tanyan kind of like stood on the table and said, hey, we got to sign this guy. Like, we need this guy in our locker room. So Wow, nice. It's pretty, pretty crazy how respected he is in the different circles. And I heard he did an internship with Google a couple years ago. <laughs> like, just like kind of a impressive guy. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, so kind of a cool guy. I mean, I think they gave him two million bucks. It's not like it's a big commitment. If 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 he if he ends up kind of falling off a cliff, then it's just two million bucks and you move on from it. Well, and you know that's part part of it right there is it, it, they're not looking for him to come in and you know be a a big addition. No, um, he's going to be a mostly behind the scenes guy. Like who was the third tight end last year? Does anyone have any idea? <laughs> so I, I think it's just a, a fine signing. I, I think if, if nothing else, it's just another really established veteran on a young team and. You know, like you said, I don't think you're going to be seeing Mercedes Lewis catching a bunch of passes in the flat this year. I think no. he's mostly going to be out there in obvious run situations. And you know, also there's there's two young tackles here, so if you need a tight end that can give one of them some help in right. obvious passing downs, Mercedes Lewis can do that. So that is what he is supposed to be really good at. Yeah, and, I think uh, I saw a top ten. They do need that oh, for <laughs> sure. I mean. Like, the, the, we can get into it more, but, yeah, I mean, we, we don't know if either of these tackles are going to be any good this year. So, having an additional blocker that actually grades out really well, I think it just kind of sounds funny when you hear they signed a 39-year-old tight end. Because, right. I mean, nobody really plays in the NFL to the age of 39 except for quarterbacks and punters and kickers, but seems like he's just kind of an outlier, and I don't really have any problems with them bringing him in, especially on a one-year contract for two million bucks right so what um he uh i noticed those it's it's interesting all that time he's only played for two teams i know how about that (laughs) that's impressive like imagine playing for jacksonville for what 12 years i mean that's that's 12 years in a really bad organization (laughs) what what was he on the first roster there I heard Cole Komet say that he was Merce- that his first ever football card was Mercedes. Nice. Like, isn't that just something else? And it's not like Cole Komet's... Oh, how I hope that's true. It's not like Cole Komet's like a, a first-year player. He's already been in the league for, what, three years? So it, it's just kind of a, a really cool story, actually, if you think about it. And if Mercedes Lewis wants to keep playing until he's 40, then, you know, more power to him, but... Yeah, I think those are the two. That, that's the two big pieces of news since the last time we recorded. Should we uh, move into talking about the preseason game? Yeah, uh, so. you know, uh, it's um, it's finally here, uh, preseason one, and uh, uh, you know, the of course the biggest news uh, is that Fields will be out there. Yeah, and before we even do any of this, like I hate preseason football. <laughs> like I, I just a lot of times think it's a bit of a waste of everyone's time i mean in my experience there's really two things that ha- can happen in the preseason that that matter and they're both bad one of yeah them, <laughs> one, one of them is you know players get injured it happens every year and the other thing that can sometimes matter is sometimes you can just see a player that just clearly just sucks out loud yeah that's like the orlando pace situation or right. like shay mcclellan at middle linebacker where you're, you're like watching the game and you're like we have done something horribly horribly <laughs> wrong here <laughs> but absent those two like very negative extremes i, I think most of it good bad indifferent I, I typically just kind of flush it down the toilet and just move on from it pretty quickly. Is that typically how you approach it? Yeah, I mean, and you know, uh, you know, we 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 poke fun, but uh, the part you're right on is mostly if you're noticing something that's not good, yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, it, all they'll be looking for. The way uh, Getsy explained it is, he just wants to get his starting quarterback out there so he can get a little bit of a feel of the game so that uh, he can get a little bit of a feel of his offensive line of his receivers um, and you know see see how that works Uh, gives a chance for Getsy to see how execution works it gives them a chance to maybe get a little bit more feel on the running back room those are all good things Uh, on the defensive side of the ball you know, we we can see um, how you know Yannick uh, fits in. It, you know, uh, can we 
get a little bit of pressure on the ball. Even if they've got the second string team out there or the third string team, it doesn't matter. You play who, who's ever out there. And uh, when you're when you're out there, what you want to see is a productive play. So, yeah, exactly. And I think to your point on the offense is, is definitely a good one. Where I, I definitely see the value in getting live reps. I mean, there's different philosophies, and I don't know which one's right or wrong. I mean, Sean McVay, one of the best coaches in the NFL, he doesn't play anybody in the preseason. But right. Andy Reid plays Pat Mahomes. Like Mahomes is playing in the first preseason game, so. Different coaches have different opinions. I'm, you know, sure that they're both somewhat right and somewhat wrong. But yeah, yeah. If there was a definitive, everybody would do it that way. Right. So yeah, Fields is going to be out there at least for a bit of time. We don't know how much he's going to play. Um, I'm sure they're going to be pretty smart about it. I can't imagine they're going to be dialing up designed runs or any other like. No, it'll be as vanilla as it comes. Yeah, like probably a lot of handoffs, maybe a couple of short passes. I'm sure they're going to want him to just avoid getting hit at all costs. Like, hey, if the first read's not there, just throw it away. It's preseason, right? But, you know, you're looking for basic things, clean snaps, hopefully no pre-snap penalties. I know Darnell Wright, it sounds like it's been having some issues with false starts in camp. So that's that's something you watch out for, and you just kind of want to see the smooth operation. That comes from experience. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's the benefit of having those guys out there. I wouldn't be surprised if the two tackles are out there, even with the second strings, you know, just to get them more reps and to right. kind of get them comfortable playing other NFL players, even though a lot of them will be backups. Um, and um, along with that, in that same vein, is you've got to get those. We we, we joke about the, the backup guys. Well, you, those backup guys, you got to get them out there so you can figure out which ones are the backups, right? Yeah, and because they, at some point you're going to have to replace somebody that you're not expecting to replace for sure. And there's actually like some interesting position battles going on or roster battles. Maybe. Yes. I mean, this the thing I feel like the last couple of years the roster's been so bad that even the starters suck, <laughs> and so like then you're just like, I really don't want to be watching these backups out there in these preseason games but this year I mean there is some legitimate roster competition there is some you you can see that they're building depth right and so you know watching Noah Sewell versus Jack Sanborn watching some of these young defensive backs whether it be Tyreek Stevenson or Terrell Smith who I actually don't think is going to play in this game but just most of the guys on here I've never heard of and the ones I have are way past their prime (laughs) (laughs) wasn't sure where you were going with that one um like on that note right so the Bears' last practice before the game was yesterday, so that would be Thursday. And here's a list of the players that didn't practice. <laughs> Typically, if you didn't practice, that means you're not going to play. So Okay, and that's uh, all the time we have for today's show. <laughs> so that that includes Chase Claypool, Nate Davis, Jaquan Brisker, Tremaine Edmonds, Demarcus Walker, Terrell Smith, Lucas Patrick, Travis Homer, Nathan Peterman, Dylan Cole, Josh Blackwell. So I can't imagine we'll be seeing any of them. Um <laughs> I don't know if we'll see Ngakwe. I'm guessing you won't see Mercedes Lewis, right? So, like, I'm sure there's going to be a fair number of veterans that don't even dress tomorrow, and that's fine. I mean, that that's not right. that's not who this is for. You mostly want to see reps from the young guys. On that list, I mean, a couple things that stand out. I mean, you're you're down to your your third string right guard already. So, yeah, I think that's going to be Jatiri Carter. So, yeah. Hopefully that's not the case when you get to week one, but it seems like he'll be running with the first string. The Claypool injury is definitely a bummer. Hopefully that one's not serious, but I don't think you need anything from him in the preseason. Yeah. Um, is there anybody else on that list that you're overly concerned about? Or Well, um, I mean, the way I uh, approach preseason is that, you know, people come in and out of the lineup all the time. Um you know, last year, uh, you know, the whole thing, the the whole drama happened with Roquan. He was out there week one. Um, yeah. You know, we had the whole drama with Tevin Jenkins last year. Uh, you know, once he was fully, he, it, you know, he had a real injury. Once that got taken care of, he was out there. Yep. So I think um, it, it's it's a good thing that, Yay, we're going into the second season of the current coaching regime. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I'm happy about that. Uh, predominantly, uh, these players, uh, this 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 roster is uh, familiar with him, 
or they're brand new to the NFL. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're getting the same people saying the same things to this, to the same group. And we need that kind of continuity because it's not something that the team has had a whole lot of over the last few years. So, uh, you you know, that's, you know, knowing the, not just knowing the system, but how everybody else functions in the system too. So I think that's what you mostly, that you, you mostly see and we'll, I'm, I'm sure we're going to see some boneheaded plays too. Uh, that doesn't mean you, you know, you, you just throw the whole thing away and call it done. Right. It's it's the beginning of everything. There is going to be stuff like that. We're just going to have to watch and see. But it really, the 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 big stuff doesn't happen until week one. Absolutely, that's kind of what I was saying earlier. I mean, there's probably going to be some good and some bad for sure. Um, I, and I, I think just. A big part of what this preseason is is just kind of actually practicing the mechanics of getting through a game, right? And that, that's on the coaching staff, too. I mean, the coaches have to practice their process for reviewing plays Absolutely. and calling timeouts. It's, it's, it's preseason for them, too. Absolutely. And, and this is a young team, too. I mean, the idea is that a lot of these starters are going to be here for a while. It's not like you've got a bunch of veterans yes. that are going to be finding new homes after this year. I mean, the idea is for this core to be here for three, four, five years, and then, you know, supplemented with more talent along the way. So, like you said, I mean, a big part of it is just learning the scheme um, and just kind of getting through the process of playing and coaching an NFL game. So, you know, I, I, I'm obviously going to watch it. I, I think most Bears fans will watch at least part of it. And you hope for no injuries among any uh, above all else, right? I mean, you, if a player gets hurt in the preseason, that just like kind of makes you sick to your stomach a little bit. So yeah, you, you hope nothing serious on that front. Um, and beyond that, I mean, I've got a couple players that I've circled that I'm going to be interested in just seeing what they've got. Do you have any particular player or players that you're excited no. to watch? Uh, uh, the only thing is, um, I'm interested to see uh, the the secondary uh, because the secondary does have uh, some competition going there. Uh, I mean, other than the obvious, you know, Jalen Johnson is is your is your one solid starter, and everybody else is filling from there. Um, it, that uh, also the interior of the defensive line. I think that will be interesting to see how that works. A yeah. uh, lot of talk about Javante Davis. Um, you know. Uh, uh, especially, uh, I've seen several comments from players about how big he is. <laughs> Who's this? Um, no, Dexter, Javante Dexter, Jervon Dexter. Yeah, there you go. And um, and uh, yeah, you know that uh, he's. Um, I guess he's just huge in real life. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the other one is the only you know the only concern so far is Nate Davis. Yeah, and he's obviously not going to play. I don't think he's actually done a padded practice yet. And this is the annoying thing with the Matt Eberflus policy of not talking about injuries because it just makes... Well, that's all the coaches. I know, but it just makes everyone speculate. Like, all you got to say is, yeah, he's got a tweak. He's going to be out another week. He'll be fine. That's all you have to say. I mean, he's come out and say that... He he said that Edmonds and Walker aren't going to miss the start of the season. They're just, so they're just dealing with some minor day-to-day stuff. So I guess when you're talking about Nate Davis, the fact that he hasn't said that, does that mean the opener is in jeopardy for him? And it's just annoying because maybe that's not right, but we have no idea. So it just causes everybody to assume the worst, especially when it's the Bears because we've been down this road right. so many times where a guy's just not there, not there, not there, always out for the year. It's just like, well, what the heck? But I don't know. I think with Davis, when when you hear how the beat reporters that are there every day talk about him, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of concern. It seems like maybe he's kind of taken the veteran, let's ease into training camp strategy, and he's maybe just kind of has a, something minor, and he's just kind of using that to not practice in the early part of camp. Or I hope so. I, I hope so, too. And that would line up with what I talked about last week, where it sounds like he's just got a reputation of someone that doesn't really like to practice all that much, Yeah, which is honestly not something I've ever heard said about an NFL player. I mean, (laughs) obviously most guys I'm sure don't like practice, Yeah, but I've never heard anybody 
with the reputation of like, yeah, this guy's just not going to practice. Oh, I, uh, the one I immediately comes to mind to me is Randy Moss. Okay. But, but you know what? Um, Randy Moss was a Hall of Fame player. Yeah, all, so all wide receiver. And everybody knew that he was special as soon as he touched the field. Yeah. It wasn't I'm, Nate Davis, uh, random right guard that uh, was picked up in free agency. So... Um, pretty big discrepancy between those two players as far as level of play goes. Uh, I, anyway, I, it does concern me a bit, uh, because I am a person that believes firmly in having the same starting five at your, uh, offensive line. I think that is huge when it comes to the overall play of the offense and, uh, your, and your quarterback and, uh, having, to switch guys in and out of there uh, stunts everything. Yeah. So, um, you know, they 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 specifically targeted him. They they gave Davis the deal and called up Tevin Jenkins five minutes after they did it and said, "Go ahead and start getting ready to play on the left side," which. Uh, Jenkins himself said, you know what, that was cool because I was able to get a head start on, on working on everything on being on the left side. And now suddenly we're not, you know, is this is this going to, you know, flow over into the regular season? Yeah, you hope not. I mean, we just don't know with him. And I just am assuming the best when we're talking about Davis. I hope it's not a serious injury. I, I think if it was something where week one was in jeopardy based on what Eberflus has told us we would know I, I would hope so but uh-huh. it, it's going back to what you were just saying you know the coaches always got to play this mind yeah, game everything's a state secret yeah and it, you know as as fans it gets it gets old because it I agree with you all they have to do is say uh you know uh, we'd be looking for We'll we'll be looking for him to get back on the field as soon as possible, but that could be a few weeks, that could be a few days, that could be tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. And I am guessing it's not tomorrow, just based yeah. on like kind of <laughs> kind of like I said, reading between the lines here. I, I think what's probably going to end up happening is maybe in that two week period between the last preseason game and the season opener. I have a feeling that's when we're going to see Nate Davis back on the practice field. So, yeah. I don't know. It's just kind of weird that a guy who's in his fourth year that is like a, known as a good player but isn't like a perennial pro bowl or anything is just kind of like got this reputation of, eh, you know, I'm just kind of not going to practice. I mean, I guess good for him if that's really what's going on. But yeah, like you said, I mean, you expect that out of Randy Moss or – so like he's Hall almost famers, right. Yeah, he's almost twenty-seven. Um, you know, uh, and what I was reading about him is, yeah, he missed a couple of he missed three games last year, and no, uh, pardon me, he missed five games last year, and he missed two games in twenty twenty-one. Uh, he played a full slate in twenty twenty. And then he missed uh, four games in 2019. Yeah. That is not a great track record. No. Uh, well, it, so I'm hoping that is not, you know, a, a, a sign of things to come. Yeah, exactly. And I made a comment along these lines last week, but it just doesn't really line up with pretty much every other signing they've made. Yeah. Like, like what have they looked for... In every other free agent, like football guy, team captain, hard worker, great locker room presence. And I'm not saying Davis isn't a great locker room, I don't know. But, like, available, right? Right. Like, doesn't miss games typically. Like, think about Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edmonds. Yeah, track record of being on the field. Yeah, it's just kind of weird. I don't don't know if, like, maybe, maybe because Davis has this reputation, maybe he would normally be worth a couple million dollars more so they saw it as an opportunity to say hey we can get a good player in here at a bit of a discount because of some work ethic concerns it's just weird we're gonna see how it plays out i'm not assuming the worst yet and they do have some depth at interior line so we're gonna monitor this 
I think, you know, being down to the third string already is kind of concerning, but we don't know what Patrick's injury is either, and I assume that one's not overly serious either, but... Yeah, it's just. Gosh, like, I hope not. This is gonna be this is gonna be something that we're gonna have to monitor and talk about until Nate Davis is back out on the field. Yeah, yeah. So. And uh, you know, I, I was commenting there on on Patrick, uh, you know, because he he missed he missed everything last year essentially. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you would hope that um, he, you know, and with all that time off last year in the off season that he would come back and, you know, be really ready to go. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, whatever they do get put in, uh, on the offensive line from week one, I'm hoping that we see that group, uh, primarily stay on the field because, having that same starting five does is conducive to the team playing better overall. Yeah. And, uh, the 100%. more, yeah. And the more, the more changes you have, the more it hurts the, the offense overall. Well, it's just the reality of it. It's not like teams have qualified backups at every position on the line. I mean, right. Heck, most teams don't even have five starters that they really want. out there. <laughs> like offensive line play is just one of those things that over the years seems like it's gotten worse and worse. And I think that's just because, they don't practice as much anymore. I mean, it's not like 20 years ago when they were doing two-a-days and they were hitting each other in practice every day. I mean, it's all collectively bargained now that your practices really can't be that physical. And it's hard to practice offensive line when you can't really hit at full speed. That's true. It's just one of those things where the quality of play has gotten worse. And, I mean, if you're dipping into your backups, you're already at a bad spot. And if you've got to be dipping in, you know, three, four, five spots, then – you end up with some players out there that can look really bad. So, I don't know. Like you said, I mean, continuity is always the goal. I have concerns just at both guard spots and at center, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's going to be – it. that's that's kind of the thing with the offensive line in general is we've all kind of been talking like it's a given that the line is going to be a huge upgrade this year. And it very well might be, but, I mean, a couple injuries on the interior could derail that, as could. I mean, we don't know if either of these tackles is going to play any, is, is going to be any good this year. I mean, Darnell Wright, I think, is probably going to have a really good career, but he could struggle. He's, he's a rookie. I mean, yeah. the comp t- that I always talk about with, with him is, go look at Andrew Thomas, the tackle on the Giants. That was, I think, the fourth overall pick four years ago. He... Uh, he, he he went to Georgia, really, 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 you know, highly graded prospect. And he really struggled his first year. Yeah. And now, a couple years later, he's known as one of the best tackles in football. And the Giants just gave him a huge extension. But he wasn't that player right away. So Wright could certainly struggle out of the gate, as could Jones. We don't sure. know. We don't know if Jones is. So the line, I think it, it certainly could be an upgrade. But there are scenarios where it could be as bad or worse than last year so it's possible yeah but i mean you know overall i think both you and i are in the same uh on the same wavelength that we we think in general the team will be better at most positions simply because the personnel seem to be better than it was last (laughs) year kind of by default yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah let's not kid anybody last year last year the roster was as bare bones as it got so yeah and i think i mean I, I wouldn't hate, especially at offensive tackle, seeing those guys get a lot of reps in the first game. And you're just looking for kind of just run-of-the-mill competence, right? Like, no, yeah. no false starts. Hopefully no one's getting run over. Yeah. No one's, like, clearly just looking out of their element out there. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's really all I've got on the first game. Um, and above all else, hopefully nobody gets hurt. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 you know, just come out, uh, execute a few plays. Um it would be nice to see the first pass from uh, JF1 to DJ2. Can you imagine if, like, on the first drive, the two of them just connect for, like, a 40-yard... Yeah, I can't imagine that. I am right now. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be pretty nice. That would be very nice. So um, I think the city of Chicago would collectively... I'm yeah. Not, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. <laughs> I think you know where I was going, going with that. I absolutely do. So, okay. So, um, we are... Doing a Bears Rewind Scat again this week. 
And uh, this time, Jim uh, picked the game. Jim? Yeah, so last week we went back and rewatched Bears-Dolphins. Uh, this week we're going to do that again. Tom and I both had some fun with it. And the game that we went back and rewatched was Bears-Vikings up at the Dome. Uh, Bears lost. <laughs> Bears lost. But I, I didn't even really think about this when I picked the game. But this was really the first game where Fields kind of showed up. Mm. Right? Like, this was the first game where he broke off a couple of runs where everyone's like, oh. Right. That's that's special right there. And he also had a couple of nice throws. So, you know, just to kind of set the scene going into the game, it was actually, you know, kind of a big game, which I had kind of forgotten. The Vikings were 3-1 and one and the Bears were actually 2-2, two and two, mm-hmm. which is difficult to remember considering they finished 3-14. and 14. But they were 2-2 two and two at one point and, you know, division game. So, uh, Bears started off just terribly i mean yeah the first the first quarter and 13 minutes of that game was as bad as i've seen the bears look yeah i was like uh i was thinking to myself jim why are you having us watch this game (laughs) like the off the offense sucked fields sucked the defense was brutal i mean What, what um and uh, Cousins has his, what, 15 of 15? Or... <laughs> like, yeah, Cousins and Jefferson are just out there playing catch. I mean, yeah. it, lo- it, it literally looked like the two of them in the first half were just out there playing catch in the park. Yeah. Like, Jefferson was just wide open. I think he had, what, like 10 catches in the first half? And yeah, I think. So, but really bad start. But then it gets to the two-minute warning. The Vikings kind of shank a punt, mm-hmm. and from at from that point on, the Vikings kind of did everything in their power to let the Bears win that game. <laughs> and the Bears, the Bears obviously didn't, but they came back, made it close. Um, where do you want to start? Well, um, so things I note are the first play of the game is always a big deal to me, um, and it's simply because to me it sets. It just sets the tone for the start. It doesn't. Ne- it doesn't necessarily. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily make it. Oh, okay. So we had a bad play to begin the game. Uh, the whole, you know, let's just throw away the game. But coming out and having a delay of game on the very <laughs> first play. I mean, it's just like that is so bears of bears of old. That's the Mike Mart special. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and well, Nagy's teams too were were so bad about that. The Bears stuff. have to lead the league in that over the last like twenty years. I, they must absolutely. Um, you know, uh, also on that on in the, on the Bears' first drive, um, uh, you know, there's also a false start. Uh, uh, there's uh, the play where. Um, it's the third or fourth play, uh, Fields passes down to Mooney, uh, in the end zone. Yeah. And there's a disconnect there. And I, I watched that play a couple of times. And the reason is, is because it, uh, Fields seems to have a decent pocket there. Yeah. Uh, he throws a, a what looks like a good ball. Uh, it gets down there though. And. Mooney isn't even looking for the ball. Right. And, um, you know, the ball falls harmlessly maybe two or three yards off of where Mooney is at. And Mooney was open, too. It would have been a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, well. Or at least he down, was, to like, he was, down to he like was, five. He, he certainly had a half step on his DB there. And he, the, the ball was still on the side where Mooney would have been the only person to catch it. But my confusion was. Who 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 read that wrong? I mean, was was Mooney not looking for the ball early enough? Did Fields throw the ball too soon? Uh, was there a miscommunication on where Mooney was supposed to be? Uh, why was he not looking for the ball once he was already in the end zone? I, I it, it was just like you know I understand that they're going to have plays. I mean, it was it was week five, right? So I understand that they're they're going to have some early confusion. But the, one of the one of the overall things that came out of that game to me um, was at that point Justin Fields had two people to throw the ball to, Comet right. and Mooney, and that was it. Pettis was awful. Somebody should have just kicked him off the field, like literally gone out there and just started kicking him. Still, still on the team. 
You know, I know, they're still on the team somehow. Um, no, nobody else exists. It's like they, nobody else must be even able to get open. Uh, they're, it's pretty much just them two. And then it's Montgomery uh, and and Herbert trying to run the ball. You know? Yeah, it was thin. Um, yeah, the, 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 the Mooney, that miscommunication. It looked like, to me, what happened was Fields was maybe trying to go a back shoulder throw and Mooney wasn't looking for it. The two clearly weren't on the same page. Yeah. Uh, if I was good at this podcast, I would have gone back and tried to research who was at fault. But <laughs> clearly didn't do that. But cl- clearly they weren't on the same page. But um, to, to your point, right, I mean... It was early in the season. The two hadn't necessarily built up their chemistry yet. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing where this year, you hope that ends in six. Because yeah. the two have had over a year together now. They spent time working in the off season. We know Mooney was injured. I'm sure that doesn't help. But seems like they were at least able to get some work in. And also, there's just a lot of other weapons on this team now. So that Darnell Mooney's not going to be the focal point of the defensive coverage. You, yes. You do have... DJ Moore, who's going to be drawing a lot of attention and a lot of eyes away from Darnell Mooney. So and that and that part is significant. Um, you know, that's that's one of the reasons I mentioned that in that game. To me, it was pretty obvious that the Bears had two targets essentially. Right. And uh, this year, that's a big change. Is that it's not that way. Moore is the target. Yeah. I think that the secondary target is Komet. Um, Komet, watching uh, those two games, and I actually went back and watched a little bit in 2021, he has become what I feel is the staple uh, for, for, for field. I believe that every quarterback needs a guy that is like there. His blanket. His yeah, exactly. His blanket, right? And he needs that guy to be ultra dependable. And I and I believe that Komet is that guy for him. And I think that Komet has been improving his game, uh, you know, over since he since he came into the league. Absolutely deserved the extension that he did. And I think that while I I don't see him having numbers like. Uh, like Travis Kelsey. Right. I think he certainly is being groomed to be his Travis Kelsey. Right. Kelsey is unique. He's a, he's a Hall of Fame player. And we're not, I'm not looking to get that from Komet. But what I am looking to get from Komet that is similar to Kelsey is that Kelsey is the blanket for Mahomes. When, when no one else is around, who is he looking for? Oh, and... The other thing is that Kelsey can get open all of the time. You know, unless you're really playing ultra focus on him, he will be open. Yeah. And I think that Komet has that. I think that Komet is really difficult to cover because of his size. He is, we forget how big that dude is. I mean, he really is. And he has very good speed and very good hands for his size. Yeah, and he runs good routes, too. Got a little bit of breaking news here that I actually just lost. But the Bears signed Logan Sternberg, who was a fourth-round pick. Uh, he's a guard. I was going to say, is that a guard? Uh, fourth-round pick by the Lions. Has started 25 games. So the Bears have a new guard, which uh. Uh, that maybe means... Somebody is injured more seriously than we yeah, just talked about. Yeah, I wonder who that somebody is. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be, yeah, I mean, it could be Davis or Patrick. Um, so, yeah, Bears have a new guard uh, to make that. <laughs> That's funny. So, uh, a couple of the reporters had been talking up Aaron Cruikshank, who is an undrafted yeah. wide receiver. He got cut to make room for Logan. <laughs> there goes there goes the preseason hero. But yeah, so Sternberg appeared in 25 games with four starts in his Lions career. So there you go. More depth on the line. Um, but yeah, going back to Komet, I, uh, I think he's going to have a good year. And like you said, he could be somebody that just is catching five, six passes a game, maybe for eight yards, but... He's just the guy that if the primary route breaks down and maybe the, the protection's breaking down, you just kind of know he's going to be there and he can get the ball in his hands and he can, you know, get you 
get you five yards instead of having to throw the ball away or taking a sack. So I, I am excited to see what this year brings for Cole Komet. Um, you know, just watching these old games and just remembering some of these players that were catching passes from Justin Fields last year. I mean, Ryan Griffin, Trayvon Wesco, Amir Smith-Marset in the Vikings <laughs> game. It's just like, God, who are these guys? Yeah. So, so um, you know, uh, going along with that, um, you know, you mentioned how the first half went. And the first half uh, up until, you know, maybe about five minutes to go was, was, was not very was not very good. Um, overall, uh, the officiating in that game was horrible. Um, did you, uh, so I went back and watched, um, one of the plays, uh, very closely. Um, and that was they, uh, Fields gets the ball out to Darnell Mooney, uh, in the end zone. And this time, Mooney has beat uh, his DB, and Harrison Smith comes running over to try and catch up with them because Mooney is alone. Is this the, the one in the end zone? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I know what you're talking. And about. commits textbook pass interference, and they and they and they called it a brilliant play. So I froze the TV screen and took a picture of it, and. Very obviously, Harrison Smith's hand is grabbing Darnell Mooney's arm before the ball gets there. And as last time I checked, that's pass interference. Yeah, and it would have been uh, first and goal at the one, right? I know what play you're talking about. I, right. I, I saw the same thing. I Then, later on in the game... There is triple coverage on Justin Jefferson on fourth and four. And Kirk Cousins throws into trouble, triple coverage. There is no contact with Jefferson. If there is, it's incidental. And they throw pass interference on fourth and four right. to keep the drive going late in the fourth. Yeah, It's like, yeah, I wonder if there's a little home cooking there. I thought the officiating that game was, it was about to make me apop- apocalyptic this morning. <laughs> I, I really wanted to kill somebody watching uh, <laughs> watching some of that stuff. NFL officiating um, does have that effect. Though. Yeah, it, it is it was, so bad. It was just it was awful. Like in that it, game. it really goes to show just how bulletproof the NFL is because the fact that that the, the officiating. The quality of the officiating and the fact that they just refuse to do anything to fix it. I mean, look at where his hand is. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's crazy. on his... It's grabbing his arm, right. and the ball isn't there yet. I know. So, you know, it, that's 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 pass interference. Plus, uh, there was also... Um, now, uh, some positives. Um, I did see some good pressure uh, by our defensive line, our, our front seven against the Vikings. Um, and... and uh, I was actually surprised at how not really great the uh, the Vikings offensive line looked in that game. Um, a blatant uh, grounding uh, that wasn't called against uh, Kirk Cousins um, that again saved another drive uh, by them that 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 should have been turned over to the Bears, but uh, not really. A, I mean, there is a, oh, and then of course. Lest we forget the fifty-yard run uh, yeah. by um, by Fields that gets called back for a block in the back. Yeah, that that's a tough one. I mean, they're looking to throw that flag, and you just can't put yourself in the position where you're hitting a guy in the back. But it was clearly a flop by Dantzler. Oh my it's god, like, it was a horrible flop. It's, it's like it was it, like the NBA. Yeah, or hockey. Like in hockey, that's a penalty on you. If you yeah. if you dive and you throw your arms up like that, yeah. then you're going to the box. It but, was horrible. Yeah, I know. It's it's tough. I mean, anytime there's contact with a guy's back, they're looking to throw the flag. It was to his in my opinion, it was on his side, but Yeah, it was kind of it, it was definitely soft. You could have let it go. That was, I think, the first big run by Fields last year, right? Like big long I think touchdown so. run, where you're just kind of where it looks like he's 
like we said last week, Devin Hester returning the punt. Yeah. Like, it's just a thing of beauty, and yeah, to have it called back is brutal. I mean, poor Amir Smith-Marset, man. Like, that's a rough game for that kid. And So, a couple of other things that I wanted to point out that we won't have to deal with last year that we had to deal with this year, and that one of them was, you know, uh, like I said, it, it was really obvious that Fields' go-to guys were Komet and Mooney, um, and his number three was Pettis, uh, which was not good. Pettis had two huge drops in that game. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know that, so we had to deal with that. Um, there was an outlet pass to Ryan Griffin. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, okay, that's, that's awful. Uh, and then... Um, uh, there was also, uh, but there was a couple of uh, other nice plays by the defense. Um, good play by Vildor on Justin Jefferson. Of Westeros. Yeah, uh, first of his name. Um, where Cousins had the free play on offsides. Uh, that would have been a big gain, too. Uh, probably 30-plus yards. Uh, great play there. Knocking the ball away. Uh, and then um, another one. Uh, the defense uh, did a good job of uh, breaking through the line and breaking up a flea flicker. Yeah. Very well executed flea flicker that he had to end up dumping off for, I don't know, one yard gain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the defense, it was weird. I had kind he of. flea flickered to the fullback. <laughs> <laughs> I had un- unorthodox. I had kind of forgotten how bad the Bears started games last year. Yeah. I mean, this is the second game in a row where. Like, the first three drives for the opponent were, like, just easy touchdowns. Oh, yeah. Like, in this game, like, the, th- the first three Vikings touchdown drives, like, you you would have thought they, they didn't even break a sweat out there. It was, it was that easy. Yeah. But then to your point after that, the defense did step up and play better. And, I mean, the Bears just found a way to get back into the game. And a lot of that was Justin Fields and... Yeah, he wasn't working with a full deck. I mean, you mentioned that drop by Pettis. I mean, my God. Yeah. Just right in his hands with yeah. nobody around him. But And, you know, um, the at, at, towards the end, uh, again, Fields has them at the end looking like, um, uh-oh, we got to do something to stop this guy because he he's still got some juice in him and he's brought us back from 18 to 0. Yeah. Uh, we we need we, we got to do something. Yeah. Um, you know, Smith Marset screwed the whole play up, but it, it it did have Fields in position to try and win the game for him. Yeah, I mean, and that's what we want to see. The the run that got called back that would have given him the lead, right? Yeah, and yeah, they they were they were driving. That was a big call when you when you look at where the play happened and what it did. I mean, it negated a fifty yard run. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was it was a it was a really big call, but even even with all of that, they still were driving and w- could have been in position to win that game, um, if not for Smith Marset just not <laughs> yeah. paying attention to ball control. Yeah, the Bears. I mean, they had the ball down seven with two minutes to go, and that that throw that Smith Marset fumbled. It was. I felt bad for him because the Marset actually made a nice play. He he caught the ball and then made the corner miss, and then all he had to do was run out of bounds. But he didn't. He fumbled. But assuming he had just held onto that ball, the Bears would have had the ball at midfield with I think what a minute ten left, mm-hmm. down seven. So yes, def- they would been they would have been in very good condition. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I mean, they still might have lost. Sure. But the, the to me the important thing is Fields coming out there, but back is against the wall. Uh, coming against uh, uh, you know the enemy at their house, they've just gone up with a two point conversion to put it a seven point lead, and he came out there with a determined look on his face. Let's go, let's get something done, and he immediately put their defense on their heels. Yeah, absolutely, and something I'm going to be watching out for this year. I saw it again in this game, and I went crazy about this last week. Was Late in the game, the Bears had the ball in the red zone, I think, or maybe just outside of it. Third and three, huge play, and what do they do? Shotgun handoff to Montgomery. Oh, man, I even wrote down that play, too. Stop. I was just like, what? Stop taking the ball out of your best player's hands 
on the most important plays of the game. Agree. I know, in hindsight, looking back, like I said, this was before Fields had really shown what he was capable of. This was kind of the first big game that people stopped and took notice. So at the time, maybe that was their best option. But gosh, it just makes you crazy when you, you see just wide open spaces out there that Fields could just take the ball and, and just yeah. put the ball in his hands in space and let him make a play. Stop handing the ball to worse players. And, so. and 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 even to put a finer point on it, to your point, that's what the coaches are supposed to know. Right. You know, we're not supposed to be able to recognize that. They are. Right. And I watched that same play as you and I was just like stumped. What are you thinking? thinking there that totally stopped the all the momentum that they had going at that point yeah because montgomery got stopped and they kicked a field goal it's like you're third and three you've got one of the best (laughs) what one of the best athletes in football what you should be doing there is running two plays where he is in complete control and maybe he keeps it and runs or maybe he throws but let him make the play and you've got two opportunities but by handing the ball off and getting stuffed at the line now you're down to one opportunity, and your probabilities are worse. So you kick the field goal. It's just it, it. It was so. It's so annoying going back and watching stuff like that, knowing yeah. what we know now. And it's something I'm going to be paying really close attention to this season, which is on big critical plays, especially on short down and distance. I want Fields being the one controlling the play, not a running back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. We're gonna see. I mean, maybe maybe they've learned, but yeah, gosh, that that that, that play. I just I like wanted to like slam my fist down on the desk. I was like, we just talked about this last week, and you're doing it again. Even though I, I shouldn't be getting mad about something that happened almost a year ago. I, now I put but. that I put that exact same play down in my notes. I, I just uh, it's like you said. I, I wanted to slam my hand down too. I was I, I I'm like, what are you thinking? And this is part of. To me, that was one of the kind of plays that said to me, Luke Getze is learning too. Luke Getze is a rookie here too. He is a rookie offensive coordinator. He's coming from being a quarterback's coach, not an offensive coordinator. He wasn't calling the plays in Green Bay. And so last year was his rookie season too. It was a rookie season for the whole coaching staff as a whole, but it's more focused on Getze because Getze's the man behind the man. Right. And we need him to have a 100% clear and concise rapport with number one when he's on the field. And like you said, recognizing in those situations that he has to give the ball to the best player on the field. Yeah, he's he's on the hot seat this year a little bit. Not in the sense that like he's going to get fired, but there's a lot of talent on this offense. And yeah. If it doesn't go well, I mean, it, it, it's I 100% agree with you. Like, he's under the he's under the eyeball too. Yeah, like I mean, if he doesn't go well, fans are gonna be calling for his head quick. It it it, it it's the Lovey syndrome. Yeah, you know that's the thing is is that uh, Lovey could never seem to get the right person in there to do the other half of the football game, and that was a big problem. He had. Good control of the defense, even though most fans liked it better when Rivera was running the defense. Head coach, be head coach. Let your coordinators do their thing. Yeah. But he was never able to get a solid person in there at uh, at offensive coordinator, and it was a revolving door. And you know, Cutler was out there uh, being part of that revolving door. Did nothing for growth. So um, you know, it's. Uh, it's it's something that we, we we can't see that happen again this year. Yeah, Lo- Lovey never had an offense like this though. No, like this this is the most talented Bears offense probably in our lifetimes. I mean, I wasn't around for '85, but th- this is this is a really really talented group. Certainly the most talented offense they've had since 2000 at least. I mean, so it's it, it's been a long time so, uh, that they've had this many pieces in the right place. So if it comes out and it's bad. The offensive coordinator is going to be getting heat quickly. Like, if they come out week one against the Packers and score, like, 13 points, which is a movie we've seen a lot in yeah. our lives, yeah. I imagine what Chicago sports radio is going to be like the next day. 
It's gonna it's gonna explode. So, so I mean, there are expectations on this team like we haven't had in several years. I mean, probably not since 2019. And this time, the expectations are centered around the offense, which is a position the Bears are never in. So, I mean, all these coaching stat, all of these coaches are are on it, are on the hot seat a little bit. But Getze in particular, I mean, it's not going to take long for Bears fans to lose their patience if this offense looks clunky out of the gate. Yeah. So, with that, I mean, I think enjoy the game tomorrow, everybody. Um, if you've if you're a sane person and you don't watch it, then I have a lot of respect for you. <laughs> I, I unfortunately will be watching. And like I said earlier, I hope nobody gets hurt. And anything beyond that's a bonus. Yep. So, uh, thanks a lot. Yeah, we'll be back next Bear week. Bear down. Bear down.